When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Bama Online Podcast. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BOL, back with you on the show. We've got a fun one lined up for you on this Monday afternoon. A longtime pal of mine, Jimmy Stein. After all these years, Jimmy, I mean, what has it been, like 25, 30 years that we've interacted with one another? You know, I think I remember the first time we met in person, Travis, I think was at an Alabama-Mississippi high school all-star practice at Murphy High, Murphy high School in Mobile. And gosh, I, I, will, I, I hesitate to guess the year. It was it was around maybe Tyler Watts-ish? Yeah, no, maybe a little after, like right that. around there. Yeah, early right. aughts, I think, was probably yeah. more along the lines of what we're talking about here. So we'll just quit dating ourselves right now. Uh, I think uh, that's been made clear that we're a couple of old heads, but man, it's just fun to hook up. And uh, it's been a lot of fun coming together here on on three, the, the two sites and uh, melding into BamaOnline.com. I know you've been excited and enjoyed it. I know I have as well. And now we get to talk some Alabama football and, you know, it's a little bit of a quiet period right now. It feels like the calm before the storm, right? When you go from fall camp and, as you know, the start of fall classes are right here uh, in our midst. And so uh, maybe a little bit of a, a transition time for the players and maybe even the coaching staff, too. But that doesn't mean, Jimmy, we don't have questions for Alabama on this Monday. And what we're going to do is we're going to do five questions for the Crimson Tide and we're going to get things going. We're going to go five to one. And what I'm going to start with, Jimmy, is at number five. Who are the primary players in the defensive backfield as we start to look ahead to Middle Tennessee, in your opinion? Uh, we'll chop that up. What do you think? Who, who are your primary guys right now in, the, in that area? I think there's three that you can absolutely just chisel into the rock, you know, in terms of guessing what it's going to look like. And those three are, of course, Kool-Aid McKinstry might be the best cornerback in college football. Malachi Moore who's basically, you know, entering year four of being a starter. Uh, they're not going to take that experience in, in the Alabama system and scheme off the field. And Caleb Downs, you know, Caleb Downs has been a starter since early in spring, started with the ones on A-Day. He was with the ones the first day of camp. He was with the ones day three of camp at the open practice, with the ones, of course, in both scrimmages. Uh, so I think Caleb Downs is clearly a one. Now, I think all the other spots are – not iffy, but a lot of competition, Travis, for those spots. I think I think a guy like, uh, for instance, Jalen Key and Trey Amos have showed up competing for spots, not just depth. They're competing for spots. Terion Arnold is a returning starter at corner. I would I would have you know etched him into the rock too, but I think Trey Amos has showed up and pushed him. So I'm not I'm a little more hesitant. I'm, I'm more writing that down in pencil. Uh, yeah. I think those are the guys, Jalen Key, Trey Amos, Terion Arnold. I think they're all probables. Devontae Smith, you would throw in there too as a maybe. 
But uh, those three that I let off with, Travis, uh, you, you can't put together the defensive backfield without starting with uh, Kool-Aid, uh, Downs, and Malachi Moore. Yeah, I only have nine guys in mind. That's all, Jimmy. Just nine. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. But I do feel like there are five that I have pretty much at the top of that list, and you you hit on them. Kool-Aid, Caleb Downs. I still have Terry and Arnold as a top five guy. Um Malachi Moore and and Trey Amos because uh, I'm right there with you in terms of the impact he's made and uh, not just in terms of what he can do at corner, but the flexibility he can provide them with with Tyrion if they want to play him at the star. Uh, but there are some wild cards in all this. You said it, Jalen Key, Devontae Smith, Earl Little the second. I mean, right. the guy we were talking about as a starter back in the spring, even Christian Story is a veteran. Um, he's a guy that you're going to keep on what they used to call the upper field, I think, as far as repping him and keeping him in that mix. So just nine guys for me. But as you know, you go from the base, which we really don't see much of anymore. There's so much nickel, so much five defensive backs. So you start outlining some scenarios uh, in the nickel and the dime and uh, Kool-Aid, obviously a fixture. I'm with you on downs regardless of the package, but the moving pieces that I think are still possibilities in the nickel and the dime, whether it's Malachi maybe playing star, or maybe it's Terry and Arnold, um, you know, Trey Amos on the field, potentially in the nickel and the dime. I think we have an idea of the five or six or seven, maybe even guys that are in that mix, but still some things to sort out or, figure out from the media and fan perspective uh, for those packages when Alabama gets things going against MTSU. Yeah, you know, the recruiting has been incredible. When you consider that just in the most recent NFL draft, you lose three guys from the safety room to the draft. Brian Branch was with the safeties and at, at practice, but you also lose Jordan Battle and DeMarco Hellams. You lose Eli Ricks as an undrafted free agent. You lose Kyrie Jackson, the portal. All, all these guys who had been, you know, significant players a year ago, they're gone. And we're talking about nine guys that, yeah. that are kind of fighting over these six spots. Uh, and that, that recruiting is just incredible. That you could lose that many and still have this many strong candidates to be first-team players. But you're right, Travis, whether you're in re regular with four, nickel with five, or dime with six, there's more than six candidates for these spots even late in camp or now with camp ending. So uh, still some competition. I wouldn't be surprised if the first couple of games we saw more than those six because we did a year ago with Terry on Arnold, Kyrie Jackson, and Eli Ricks all basically playing a little musical chairs with that second corner spot. I wouldn't be surprised to see something like that again. Yeah, I like where Alabama's at a good bit more at corner going into this season than I did a year ago. Um, simply because you know the experience Terry Arnold got. Uh, Trey Amos looks to be a big-time hit from the transfer portal. I think Jalen Key also at the safety position. But it will be interesting from package to package to see, are they corner-heavy in maybe some looks? Do they go with three corner types and nickel and dime? Or are they continuing to be really safety-heavy, something they've been, uh, as you outlined there with the talent that moved on to the National Football League? Hey, let's get into question number four. Jimmy, will it be a by-committee approach at both running back and wide receiver, in your opinion, during the upcoming season? I think so. I think so. Well, running, I think it's two different situations, but it's sort of the same result. Uh, the situation running backs really good because I think you got four, and we'll probably find out during the season, five guys 
who could play and be productive in big time SEC football. I, I, I think you have to do it by committee in the sense of you don't want to rob carries or touches from any of them. You want to give Roy Dell and Jace uh, their senior year shots, right? But you also uh, can't deny the talent that a Jam Miller and Justice Haynes bring to the table. I'm not going to be surprised, Travis, if by the end of the season, when we look back and count up the carries and the touches, if those first four running backs that have just went over, if they all have somewhat equal carries and touches, just simply because you may start out the year heavy with your veterans. Jace McClellan and Roydale Williams might see a lot of them first couple games, but maybe in November, maybe there's a bigger share that's been earned by Justice Haynes and Jam Miller, and it all sort of evens out over the course of the season. But that's absolutely a committee to me. At wide receiver, I think it's almost a committee because to this point, no one has stepped up and proven to be a wide receiver one. Or in 2021, when you had two guys like Jamison Williams and Mechie that kind of hogged all the, all the catches, they both had 1,000-yard seasons. You won't see that out of this group. I think you're going to have to spread it around because not one guy has stepped up. But the good news is, for as much uh, distress as there's been about the receivers in the last few days uh, with, with the fan base, I'm still high on maybe even more than six of these guys. I think Ja'Cory Brooks and Jermaine Burton are proven to an extent. They're not proven to be great players, but they're proven to be good, productive players. I think the younger guys, Benson in his first year, uh, Kobe Prentice, Kendrick Law coming back from a year ago, Isaiah Bond, who apparently has made strides this year. Those are the first six guys to me, Travis. And mm-hmm. I like every one of them. I don't want to throw any of them back. But it would be nice if one of them sort of lurched to the forefront and said, hey, I'm the go-to guy. Throw it to me eight or nine times every Saturday. Yeah, I I think I'm in line with you in that I think at running back, they have four number one types at running back. Um, You know, Richard Young, the young back, obviously, uh, late arrival, still some finer aspects of running back play that at this level, you know he's going to have to sort through. But – Haynes and Miller, uh, Roy Dell and Jace McClellan, who it kind of feels like Jace is being slept on a little bit at this point. I mean, just not hearing as much about Jace. And I do think there's something to this approach that Alabama appears to be set on going with, benefiting maybe guys like Roy Dell Williams, Jam Miller, Justice. Maybe it benefits their style and, and the way they go about it. Uh, a little bit more, but Jace obviously in line for a big season in his own right. Whereas I, I think I'm in line with you at wide receiver too. I think there's some really good number twos. I don't know if there's a true number one, at least not to the standard that we've grown accustomed to since, I don't know, Amari Cooper, right? When you talk about number ones, Julio Jones, for that matter, in 2008, uh, that we kind of grown accustomed to. And, and, and look, if they run the ball like they think they're going to be able to run it, that's going to help those guys. You know, that can take a number two in terms of separation and his ability to get, create space and help him uh, and help quarterbacks too, a new quarterback. So uh, I think the good news and all that is Alabama doesn't appear to be as quarterback centric, passing game centric. Um, so you're not going to be asking as much of these guys, I think, on a down in, uh, down out basis. I, I do agree, though. I, I don't think there's a shortage of talent at wide receiver. Uh, even a guy like Emmanuel Henderson, you know, when you throw him into that mix, and Chaz Preston, you know, and these young receivers, uh, they've got talent. It's just a matter of, as you said, a couple of guys uh, maybe stepping up. Number three on our five questions, Jimmy, 
Will this defensive front seven prove sturdier in the biggest of moments than did its predecessor? That's a tough question for me. I, I, I think that defensive line group still, I think, I think anyone a little nervous over that defensive line group is, is probably being fair. But what I really like, you know, it's, it's the front seven that makes the big stops. I, I love the linebacker group. I, I think the linebacker group is outstanding. And they're going to make up to some extent any deficiency, and I hate using that term, but any deficiency up front I think can sort of be rescued by that linebacker crew, Turner and Braswell outside, NFL-ready type guys. Inside, I think Alabama's a little underrated. I think a lot of the fans have a good idea what's coming, but a healthy Deontay Lawson is a good player inside. Uh, it, it appears uh, from what we hear from the scrimmage that Jahad Campbell and Trez Marshall play quite a bit with the ones. That's interesting, both bringing something a little different to the table, but Trez, a veteran, Jihad may be as much upside as anybody on that defense in the long term. I, I love that linebacking crew. I think they can be a little better against the run because of the physicality of maybe a Campbell, maybe Deontay sort of replacing Henry Toto Toto as the Mike. But I also see a loss and this may be a little bit more physical, the football player, than Henry. I, I really like what's going on there. Now, the defensive line group, you know, Nick Saban himself has sort of uh, called Tim Smith out a little bit. I, th I think that's a guy that Alabama really needs to step up to join Jaheim Otis, who we know is a good player, a young nose guard, sophomore, and uh, Justin Aboigby, the, the fifth-year guy, the rare guy, Travis. Justin Aboigby will have started games over five seasons for Alabama. That, that Much like Malachi, that's great experience. He's a good player. He just has to show he's healthy. But Otis of Boyd Tim Smith, you know, you can live with those guys. There just needs to be others that step up. But I, I don't dislike the front seven, love the linebackers. And, yeah, I think on the third and one, third and twos, I think Lawson and Campbell in particular can uh, trade some paint up there in the, in the trenches and, uh, and maybe make a stop or two that they couldn't make a year ago. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not – disparaging last year's front seven uh, to the degree that they weren't good over extended stretches because they were. It's just that, you know, even though they did allow just 3.63 yards per carry last season, you go back to the second half of the 2022 campaign, last six games, they gave up 11 rushing touchdowns in the last six games. Uh, and you go back to the losses, LSU, Tennessee, when they needed it the most, they couldn't get stopped. So uh, I think they will be sturdier for reasons you outlined. I'll tell you what, you know, if Tim Smith isn't one of those guys, especially on early downs or in their bigger packages like the base or even the big nickel, why not play Tim Keenan and Jaheim Otis together in some of those looks? You know, play Otis as an end. Put Keenan in the middle. Uh, have Justin Aboigby at the other side. Uh, there's some possibilities maybe that they could kind of work with from a personnel perspective. I'm with you on the linebackers. I do think that we need to see better eye discipline uh, and just edge setting ability in general from Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell. Um, they had their deficiencies as you kind of defined it uh, last season. Uh, should have something to prove in 2023. So, you know, that's going to be the expectation. As we talked about the standard many times before at Alabama, it is what it is. And uh, so you're going to be you're going to be evaluated based off that question. Number two, 
Jimmy, is the Alabama offensive line, the first five, in your opinion, is that already set? Are you ready to roll with a certain combination of five guys? I think so. I'm going to say it's 80% plus set. And by that, I, I think four guys are just entrenched now that we're, we're this deep into, into camp and game prep about to start. I, I think those four guys are J.C. Latham at, at, at one tackle spot, the right tackle spot. Tyler Booker has been moved to left guard because Caden Proctor, I believe, is now entrenched at left tackle, which is fun. Uh, the true freshman uh, monster recruit, five-star plus. Uh, he's been everything uh, as advertised. And I think the move of Tyler Booker to the left side is all about Caden Proctor. It's about, hey, we know Proctor can get his responsibilities blocked. He's just got to make sure what his responsibilities are. And Tyler Booker, the more experienced guard, can help him with that. And I really think that's the impetus of, of the move from Booker from the right guard spot to the left guard spot so he can help out the freshman at left tackle. Seth McLaughlin, of course, will be the center. I personally believe he's going to perform at a near all-SEC level now in his uh, fourth year on campus, gained a lot of good weight, got a lot of experience. So that's four spots. Right now, per the scrimmages, Darren Dalcourt is the fifth guy. Uh, I'm not going to be surprised, Travis, if Dalcourt is the guy all year. That's not going to surprise me. Again, a veteran. Uh, I think you've pointed out before in your your writing about Darren Dalcourt will be this will be his third opening day start, to uh, use the baseball phrase, his third opening day start with multiple coaches making that decision. You can go back to Doug Marone and then now Coach Wolford and, of course, Coach Saban signing off on all of it. So they like him. I think they like him maybe more than some of the fans do. Uh, I do think, though, Travis, there's a possibility that a young player like T.J. Ferguson could supplant Dow Court as the season progresses. I'm not going to rule that out. That's why I'm saying I think it's 80% plus. Uh, I'm not ready to uh, to say that Dow Court will be the starter for 12 games, but he might be. And if not, then I would uh, then I would throw Ferguson in the mix. Yeah, I think it's interesting the dynamic between Dow Court and Ferguson and the possibilities. And you know what? We've we saw Alabama rotate guys at guard last year, right? I mean, that's what we saw with the Mill Echior and. Uh, Javion Cohen and Tyler Booker last year. Who's to say they might not roll three guys in there this year uh, and, until they really feel great about you know, that guy opposite Tyler Booker? And it is interesting because uh, I understand the sentiment about Booker being next door to Caden Proctor in terms of experience and being able to help him. But, you know, Dahlcourt's a former starting center. You would think, other than Seth McLaughlin, no one knows the calls and checks and what's going on more than Darian Dahlcourt. Now, perhaps the staff's taking into account that we're not totally sure Dahlcourt's going to be one of the five. We know Tyler is going to be one of the five. So we're going to go ahead and really take a look at that. But, yeah, just from a run game perspective, you have to be excited about the possibilities with this group. If you want to go with – kind of extra horsepower. I guess Ferguson might be more the guy at the one guard position, but you know, here's the reality too. I mean, you got to have that extra guy ready to go uh, at guard and tackle. And so whether it's doll court or Ferguson inside, you have an injury or ineffective play to one of those three guys, guard to guard, that guy is going to be in there. And then at tackle, we need to talk about that because if it is Caden Proctor and JC Latham is Elijah Pritchett, the third tackle, is he the first tackle in if you you have to go to the bench there? Or 
do you think even another one of these freshmen other than Caden Proctor might be able to make an impact? I think the assumption would be Pritchett, who kind of held on to starting left tackle throughout spring practice. So he's got a lot of practice field experience, not not any uh, game experience. Uh, I would think Pritchett would be the go-to guy at tackle. You can move guys around. You hate to press the uh, apocalypse button, but if you had to, Tyler Booker spent uh, last spring at tackle. So he's got some practice time there. He's a guy you could kick outside uh, in an emergency uh, you also have the talented freshman, Wilkham Formby, Miles McVay. I, I would think their preference would be not to throw them into the deep end with no floaties. I mean, that, that's a lot to ask for. I know Caden Proctor makes it, makes it seem like, oh, just stick a freshman in there. But Caden Proctor is such an exception to the general rule. Uh, I, I like seven guys, you know, mm-hmm. I, and I think you can live with seven. But uh, if you get a, a, a rash of, of turned ankles, uh, you could worry about the, the the depth beyond those seven in the offensive line. I think you hit on it too. That's why you cross train so many of these guys. So whereas you look at some of the guys working inside and think they're strictly interior players, most of these guys have tackle in their background, right? Tyler Booker, as you mentioned, Olas Alinen, um, you know, even Terrence Ferguson. TJ Ferguson was a high school tackle. Uh, so there's some different ways you can go, as you said, if it gets down to just the desperation mode that you certainly hope to avoid if you're Eric Wolford in this group. They do have quality depth. I, I think a guy like Jaden Roberts probably doesn't even get talked about enough. I, I think Jaden Roberts, I've said this before, I think a lot of places, Jaden Roberts this year is a starting guard, you know, but they just have that sort of abundance of talent, especially on the interior that. It makes it tough. The competition is thick, no doubt about it. Question number one, Jimmy, before we get out of here. Is the quarterback situation at this point, or will it be over the course of the season, such that a national championship run is realistic for this team? Best for last, Ooh. right? That's that's the number one question. I, I like how that's number one, because that is number one, isn't it? Uh, I'll be honest. Uh, my gut react. my gut reaction to the question is no is no Alabama doesn't have the experience uh the maturity uh they don't you know coach Bryant used to say you know hey you know hey coach y'all y'all got three quarterbacks this year he said well if I, I got three that means I don't have one well Alabama's got maybe four but that means they don't have one uh so my gut reaction to the question is no that because of the quarterback situation a national championship feels uh highly unlikely but the more you think about it and you look at what Nick Saban has accomplished at Alabama, this is also a fact. If Jalen Milrow uh, starts that middle Tennessee game and plays well enough to start all season long, using him as the example, but I could use Ty Simpson or Tyler Buckner or even Dylan Lonergan as the example too. But just to use Milrow as the example, I think in terms of his gifts, you're talking about a smart kid, you're talking about a highly athletic kid with a big arm. In terms of his gifts, I would say Jalen Milrow is a more gifted kid than some national championship winning quarterbacks in the recent past. Uh, you know, you have a Jay Barker, you have a Greg McElroy, you have a Jake Coker. Uh, I don't know that any of those guys had the natural God-given gifts that Jalen Milrow has. I would even say Blake Sims in 2014. You didn't win a national championship, but you got to the semifinal. You were one seed. Yeah, yeah, one seed with Blake Sims. So you've got no reason 
to conclusively say that if Blake Sims can do that, Jalen Milrow can do it. And Milrow is just a more gifted kid. So, you know, will he, will he have the maturity? Will he have the game management skills that those guys had to sort of let your run game, let your defense, let your special teams win the game? I, I don't know, but it, it's, a, it's a tough question. It's a great question. And in the end, I'm just sort of split on it. My gut is no, but logically, I'm like, this is a gifted kid. We should give him a shot. If Alabama was going to play offense this season like they played it the last two seasons, the answer for me unequivocally would be N-O, no chance. But based on how they want to approach things, it seems, on that side of the ball, my inclination is they might very well be good enough at quarterback to go to where they want to go. And look, they don't need the quarterback to be Wagyu beef. I always make the food analogies here on the podcast they just need him to be a good solid craft burger right you know just uh, some lettuce tomatoes some onions some american cheese um they don't need him to be prime rib and look was stetson bennett prime rib the last couple of years i don't think so but he did improve over the course of the two seasons really three if you go back to 2020 we saw him in Tuscaloosa in a start against Alabama during the COVID season. Uh, but again, he he made some strides, and in some big moments, he made some big plays. The national championship game against Alabama, which you could make the argument he shouldn't have had a chance. If, if Alabama's full strength and, and got what they needed on offense on the field, he probably or he might very well not have gotten that chance in that game. But he did get the chance against Ohio State, came up big in the semifinal last year. So more so than just week-to-week Heisman-worthy type performances, it's just going to be those instances that we know in 2023, no matter how well you play defense, no matter how well you kick the football, there's still going to be a couple games where you're probably going to have to score in the 30s. But for the most part, if Alabama gets back to complementary football, which means at the quarterback position, play clean, uh, don't put the team in general into compromising positions, um, they can get to where they want to go, I think, with this situation. But but it all is predicated on them, I think, being what they built this team towards to this point. If something happens and they're not able to kind of impose their will and be the more physical team and get off the field defensively, create turnovers and short fields, uh, not get stellar performances from James Burnup and Will Reichert in the kicking game. You know, the, all of that could go out of the, the window. But look, it's a brand of football we've seen work quite well for Alabama in the past, right? Oh, that's exact, exactly right. I think Nick Saban and Tommy Reese will smartly not put it on the quarterback, not put the game on the quarterback. But the fact of the matter is, in, in today's football, there will be close games in the fourth quarter. There's no getting around that. And when the game is tight in the fourth quarter, the quarterback is going to have to make a play. So it will come down to the quarterback making a play in at least a handful of games for Alabama to uh, to come out on top. What you don't want to do is have a situation at quarterback where, hey, it's a close game because the offense has made too many errors. There's been too many turnovers, too many three and outs, not enough of a possession, interceptions, fumbles. You can't have that or, or the game will be close no matter who you're playing. But even if you play a clean game against an LSU or a clean game against the Texas or on the road at Texas A&M, it may still come down to, to making a big play in the fourth quarter. To me, the question about winning a championship is 
will these guys make a big play in the fourth quarter when it's needed? Because Jay Barker did, Greg McElroy did, Jake Coker did, Blake Sims did. But I like 2014 as a real roadmap for these athletic quarterbacks. It's just not Jalen, it's Buckner, it's Simpson. These are really good athletes. And somehow, some way, behind a good defense and running the football, that 2014 team made it all the way to the playoff. It's the number one seed for losing in the semifinal. But I, I think this Alabama team, quarterback by any one of those three guys, could follow that pathway to uh, to the playoffs. Yeah, you know, it is 2023. And, and absolutely, you cannot hide the quarterback in, in this era of football. You can't. Um, you can make it more of a complementary role. But absolutely, there, there's going to be that handful of games where whoever that player is is, is going to have to not necessarily carry the entire team, but certainly carry a little more than the typical load that uh, you might want to put on that guy. So when we think about lines of demarcation for when this thing needs to sort of sort itself out, uh, Jimmy, is it as soon as Texas? Is it? Either way, after Texas, where, 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 when is it too late for Alabama to get this thing figured out and still be a part of the national championship race? Because I would think you, you don't want to be four games into this thing and still be going through three or four guys trying to, to get the best guy out there. Right. That, that's a great question, too. I have a little bit different answer than most on that. I say, you know, as long as the candidates for the spot are playing well, I think you could play a few guys going several games into the season if they're playing well. I think there's an automatic assumption people have, Travis, that in a quarterback battle, when you're making changes, it's because someone has failed terribly, someone's played really badly. I, I don't know that that's necessarily going to be the case. I don't think there's a ton of separation. So I think they may, may want to look at more than just Milrow, who I fully expect to get the start against Middle Tennessee. But they may want to look at Buckner. They may want to look at Simpson. Down as we get into game five, six, seven, they may want to look at Lonergan, Dylan Lonergan, mm -hmm. the true freshman, as he gains more, more and more knowledge of the playbook or scheme. I just don't automatically assume that they'll want to look at other guys because the starter is playing poorly. So I think as long as you're getting pretty good play out of the guys you're putting in there, that it's not 100% an emphatic statement that, hey, you must settle on it on one guy by game four, by game six. I don't think that's necessarily the case, but you better be getting good, consistent, solid play from whoever you have in there. And I don't rule that out. But personally, if I had to guess, Travis, I think they'll have a quarterback that's clearly QB1 that they've made a commitment to on that plane to Tampa before they play South Florida. I, I think they'll know, hey, this is the guy, but things could change after that, after yeah. even that, honestly. Yeah, not, not, this is Alabama. So you don't play around with games, you know, like you don't go into Texas, like, ah, we'll play a couple guys. If we win the game, we win the game. If we lose, you know, I know a lot of people draw the, the analogy to the 2015 Ole Miss situation. Alabama lost the game in Tuscaloosa that night, but identified its starting quarterback for the rest of the season and Jake Coker. That wasn't scripted. That wasn't the plan. That's just kind of how it played out. And sometimes it requires that. Um, but I, I'm, I'm with you. I think by the time they go to Tampa, 
they need to have a good idea. Uh, and I think that it could prove out that Alabama does have more than one quarterback on this roster that can keep the train on the tracks for how they're going to play. Um, but I think Alabama fans, for the most part, that's something they'd rather find out, Jimmy, next spring, right? And then, <laughs> then in sure. September of this season or maybe uh, even into – October. Regardless, it's going to be an intriguing season. I don't know, man. When I think about seasons where there's this much open-endedness to it, to this, to an Alabama team, uh, I got to go back a while. And and I know there, there's been some quarterback situations, but I'm I'm talking about team wide too, and the, just some of the things we've spelled out here today. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, again, there's been you know 2016 being a good example. You know, a guy is, is out there for two series and comes out, and then, then the next guy fumbles the first snap, and then he becomes one of the, uh, you know, the, one of the most historic quarterbacks, not just at Alabama history, but in college football history, and Jalen Hurts. We could have something like that happen. I don't rule out if it's fun. I, I don't rule out Dylan Lonergan being the quarterback for this football team. I just don't think it would happen until later in the season. I, I think for a true freshman, he's got to have a bigger grasp of the playbook than what he's got right now. And I don't think Milrow – Simpson or Buckner uh, are challenged to the point that you're panicked about getting Dylan Lonergan ready before Texas. Let I, me ask I you this situation at all level of surprise. If Tyler Buckner is the starter against South Florida in week three, how surprised would you be by that? Uh, I would have been very surprised two or three weeks ago and less surprised now. Uh, yeah. I, 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 it's not just word from inside the program or anything. It's just, Sometimes things start to make sense. And here's one thing that we have not considered enough, Travis, as Alabama fans looking at this uh, quarterback situation. That's it. Tyler Buckner's more experienced than Jalen Milrow. Uh, they're the same age, yes. He's missed a lot of time, yes. But he's got more experience than Jalen Milrow. He's also an extremely bright kid. He obviously has a great rapport with Tommy Reese, or he wouldn't be in Tuscaloosa right now. And I think that's more and more of a possibility all the time. Uh, mm -hmm. But I'll also stick with, I think Ty Simpson is the most gifted kid of, of all of them in terms of all that it takes to be a great quarterback. I think Ty's got more of that in his gumbo than the others do. Uh, but I also don't rule this out. That's what makes it fun too. Jalen Milrow may get the start against Middle Tennessee and may never look back. Yeah, That's just a gifted kid too. Good for him if he does it. Because after spring practice, when Buckner was added, you know, there was some just assumptions that, well, Jalen's moving on and kind of like another Jalen, he stuck it out. And here he is, it looks like in a great spot in terms of week one anyway, at the quarterback position. But the Buckner perspective is very interesting. And I talked about it on the watch along last week, more in terms of a month from now. You know, my thought was, hey, Tyler Buckner is going to be a better quarterback in this system and for this team in all likelihood in three or four weeks. The, the question is going to be, did he get enough reps to really prove his case in time to to ultimately become the guy? Who knows? Maybe he will. Uh, there's, there's certainly a lot to consider uh, at that position, no doubt. Hey, Jimmy, man, this has been a lot of fun. We're going to do this again soon. Uh, anytime. Uh, it's my favorite subject. I'm glad you asked about Alabama. <laughs> Well, you don't want to talk some golf. I got on my uh, U.S. Amateur hat for you, Nick Dunlap. Oh, yeah. Jerry Hill. Jerry yeah. Hill. 
That was awesome. I, that was right in front of Peyton Manning, he won it too. So that had to make it extra special. <laughs> and beat Ohio State in the national. Yeah, Kingdom. it kind of felt like that that game in South Florida a few years ago. The way he boat raced the Shipley from Ohio State, but I know we both love the golf, so I had to get Absolutely. that in there. Finally, finally, one of my podcast partners that enjoys golf. You know, it's been tough to kind of identify that person, but you're you're him. So, hey, Jimmy, always great stuff with us there at BamaOnline.com. Be sure to check out the website, BamaOnline.com. Tim Watts, Andrew Bone, Joseph Hastings, Jimmy Stein, Clint Lamb, Charlie Potter. Yeah, even yours truly from time to time. So we'd love to have you with us there at BamaOnline.com. Hang out with us on the roundtable, the premium message board of choice for Alabama fans around the globe. For Jimmy Stein, Travis Schreier, thanking you once again. Until next time, so long, everybody. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.